0: Same pattern, Tiki Barber and Brian Dawkins leveled.
1: It is the beginning of a new order here in the NBA. Dan Hicken and Denny Thompson. It's our Hometown Hero podcast presented by Lockett Law, knowbeforeyoublow.com, and very pleased to welcome to our first ever Hometown Hero podcast the former head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, two-time Super Bowl champion, future Hall of Famer Tom Coughlin, Coach, how you doing?
2: Doing well, doing yeah. as well as we can. Yeah, you bet.
1: You look good. You know, I, I was just—I remember you had that bike accident, but you're all healed up. You look
2: good. Well, I'm—I'm I'm healed, man. <laughs> I never did get the shoulder looked at. I'm back. not going to do that either. But you know, I'm riding down on a, on a Saturday afternoon. It's like 95 degrees. It's beautiful. I'm riding down First Street, and this guy in a racer comes flying by, and hit goes right through the front of my. You know, as I move out, he Mm -hmm. goes right. No, no call left. Right. Right. Oh, so I, I try to keep it up down. I went. Four broken ribs, a punctured lung, stitches here. Man, the whole left wow. side looked like hamburger. You know, <laughs> you
0: know what I love about Coach Coughlin is he said it's beautiful, and it was ninety five. <laughs> I'm staying in until it's about eighty. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you got a long haul then in this, <laughs> yeah. this part.
1: The oven's back on. Yeah. Uh, Jay Fun Week, always a great oh, time, man. and I know you're so proud of uh, of the organization and everything that you guys have accomplished. Denny, I've always said this about coach and you know, he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. He's won Super Bowls, but his greatest legacy is the Jay fund. And I know I know what it means to you and to the family. Um just talk about another year and uh Well you know we, we lost John McGillis. I know. We lost
2: John McGillis. Jay's dad Jay's dad, yeah. <laughs> and uh when I called Pat immediately uh, Jay's mom, I said, Well, John and Jay are having a beer together. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh that's the way I felt about that. But we uh you know, we are excited to have our Celebrity Golf Classic going, mm-hmm. May 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. The response has been good. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, some things happen here of late that have been really good, really good for us. And uh, we have some guests that, that we haven't had in the past, mm-hmm. which we're very excited about. And uh, it's just going to be nice to pull our J Fun family together. Yeah. You know, a year ago, because we, we were virtual, yeah. we, we weren't able to spend time with people. And we're still very cognizant of, of the COVID and trying to do things the right way. And Kelly has been extremely meticulous with, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, we, we follow all the protocols. And, of course, if anybody, the, the 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 tour has done it better than anybody, you know, in terms of introducing people back to competition and competition. Um, Uh, and to the various uh, golf tournaments, starting with the players. And I I told Jay Monahan this the other day, that he he was really instrumental in in showing everyone how you could do this and do it the right way. So uh, I congratulated him on that. Mm
0: -hmm. Coach, talk about you're obviously a process guy. Everybody knows that, right? So talk about the process of that, just that nonprofit world through something that's never happened before. How did you guys make that work? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh, with passion with, yeah. with the only thing we've ever really had yeah. there's, there's not much ability here but we had passion mm-hmm. and no matter what it was once once I knew how I would give back and it was boom like that mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Jay dies the players are together to f- watch the family go through what they went through and all of a sudden it, there's no doubt in my mind What we can do to make a difference in giving back because the families have nowhere to go. When they hear this news about your child has cancer, they've just been hit over the head like they've never been hit over the head. And their lives will never be the same. What do they need? They need to be able to go to the child with confidence, with assurance that, you know, the child is going to get better and that things are going to be good at home. They don't know that. You know, they're just trying. But if we're there to make sure the lights are on, food's on the table, the mortgages are being paid, it gives them a little more uh, ability to, to go to that child with reinforcement, knowing that things are going to be okay.
0: I'll tell you where the real value of what they do hit me. My wife had cancer now six years ago. Mm-hmm. And we knew all along it was oh, breast cancer. We knew all along she was going to be fine. But going through the chemo treatments, things like that, you do. You see kids in there. And it's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And then going through, and you're constantly it's like it's not even nickel and dime because they're all big bills, oh. but they just start <laughs> stacking one after the other. And that's when it hit me, coach, of what you guys are doing and what that true impact is, and seeing you know families in that chemotherapy room mm-hmm. with a nine year old, a ten year old, until a two you or see a it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't how about see mom that. And yeah, dad
2: sleeping in the room, yeah. Wow. You know, alternating who sleeps in the room with the child when the child is in the hospital for treatment. And how about going through COVID?
1: Mm-hmm, How right. about
2: knowing that your child is trying to recover from cancer or is involved in treatment with cancer, but COVID is out there and you can't bring anything home because the child's immune system's compromised. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be the, the 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 scariest thing in the world. You're you know, you have maybe one or two breadwinners, one of them stays home, can't can't go, yep. can't go to work. And then you're maybe the siblings are out in the community and they're coming home and kids are kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and yet you have the one child that's I mean, it just and and our our requests are way up for for all kinds of reasons, not only in Jacksonville, but in New York. And uh, I mean, it's just incredible what these families go through.
1: The J fund has always been there. And the the best thing I can say about is I've talked to literally hundreds of families Mm -hmm. and. Not a one has ever said a, a crossword or, or, you know, mm-hmm. just so encouraged by what you guys do because you are right there when they get that diagnosis, man. And that's so. Important. And
2: we've never turned, family and never turned we've a family down. Never, yeah. never turned a family That's amazing. Never turned a family down.
1: I want to talk to you. this be a little uncomfortable. He's not because he's not a brag, braggadocio guy. But uh, I did some research, coach, and oh. uh, the Hall of Fame thing comes around this year. It starts this year mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Um, 170 wins. I can I can rattle them off. Uh, what you accomplished here in Jacksonville might be just as impressive as your two Super Bowl victories in New York. You did what you set out to do both in Jacksonville and in New York. You you came here. You built us into a playoff contender, and you did it right away, uh, starting in ninety one one year after the expansion year. You wanted to restore the the pride of the New York Football Giants. You did that. You won two Super Bowls. Um, just your overall thoughts now. And the Hall of Fame is a little quirky now with the coaches It's one a year, one coach a year for the next three seasons. So there will be some interesting debates going on. But uh, it's inevitable that you go in. Just what are your thoughts when I say Hall of Fame and Tom Coughlin?
2: Well, you know, first of all, I'm humbled Mm -hmm. by even being in in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Would I say that as a young coach, you ever dream about? No, you dream about. You know, climbing the ladder. Yeah, you know, you dream about climbing the ladder. And when I was a college coach, I I dreamt about being in the NFL because I wanted the 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 challenge of going against the greatest minds in football. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's kind of the way that you think. And uh, and I'm. You know, I, being me, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I realize there's, there's information out there. You yeah. know, uh, I wish we'd have done more. Sure. To be honest with you, I wish we'd have been able to accomplish more. And, and, uh, and, 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 and starting out here, I remember when Wayne Weaver just said, "I'd like to win the Super Bowl in five years." You know, that I mean, there you go, right there. I mean poured on. And you remember the different styles. In other words, Mm -hmm. you have to do what you have to do. And with this team, you talk about a motley group of young men. I mean, they were from all walks of life. And I, I smile now, and I get a, I get a chuckle out of, you remember how the town went wild over the 10 first sign The original 10. Yep. The original <laughs> 10. They were street-free agents the yeah. town. The town was going They were crazy. like heroes. Yeah. Were, yeah, absolutely. They were heroes. They appeared everywhere. We went everywhere yeah. with these yeah. 10 guys. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, it was just amazing. You didn't want to
1: break their hearts to tell them not many of <laughs> them are going to make the club here, fellas.
2: <laughs> well... This may be it. You, yeah. know, you never know. You never know right away. But but the whole process, really, when I look back on it, you know, I mean, it, it was a total commitment, and it was we ran it just as if, even in the first year, like we were pl- we were going to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a draft. We had a we had a expansion draft. We had a college draft. We I sent coaches to college games one day. The next day, they went to pro games. they just gathering information. Right. Gathering information. We're in a damn trailer. I, I take the job. They don't show me anything. We're at a bank, you know. I walk in the door, and I'll never forget the lawyer. I had to sign something right away. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even in the door, yeah. and I started to think to myself, huh, and
1: what, he what thought, is this all about? He thought he wouldn't have to deal with the media, and he's at the bank. He'd been introduced as a coach. I think he did four live shots with us that night. I mean, it was just like, I mean... Listen, it wasn't a lot of media like it was in New York, but the ones who were there, it was intense. It was the only story in town. It was
2: intense. Yeah. I mean, it
0: (laughs) was intense. I am so obsessed with that process, though. I think I told Dan this the other day. It's to me because there's not a blueprint for that. Oh, no. Like, I mean, that (laughs) is, you literally had to come in here and we say build things from scratch all the time. It's not true,
2: but you you were from scratch. (laughs) Scratch. Like you said, trailer, no stadium, no practice field. Scratch is once that. (laughs) <laughs> that day was over. All the different press conferences uh-huh. and visiting with all the people. I'm on a plane back. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I, I've got the job now, and I go back with a tough assignment because of the way things fell. I hadn't even told my team at Boston College. Right. And to be honest with you, the president of the university called me names a priest shouldn't use. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, should, he shouldn't use those. Uh-huh. So the next time I come back, I can remember coming down the dirt road, porn rain. Mud everywhere, up to your butt, up to your ankles in mud. I walk up the stairs. I walk in the one trailer. Yeah. Okay, they don't even have a place for me to sit. Wow. Uh, you can sit over there where Mister Weaver sits when he's here, and there is a phone right there next to you. <laughs> and I think there were. I, I might have been seventh, but I might be s- stretching it. There might have been five employees. I know two of them are women because they were standing right there with me. And, uh, you know, maybe one of them could have been the quarterback coach, but I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> but that's so wild so to me. You talk about starting from scratch. Yeah. Well, means. Coach,
0: what I've always wondered is through that process of having to basically build a football team, mm-hmm. right? How much did that help you throughout the rest of your career to know every single aspect?
2: Well, you got to go back. I am 20, I just got my master's, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to Rochester Institute of Technology. Head coach. Well, I had to go one year as an assistant, and the next year they made me the head coach. So I'm 23, okay? They don't have anything. (laughs) I mean, I have to do everything. And and it's amazing how it works in life because I went through it. Mm -hmm. In other words, I scheduled. I was the scheduler, like, you know, like whatever the the owner, the GM would be, okay? I ordered all the equipment. I figured where we were going to stay. We stayed in a fraternity house for two days. <laughs> you know, I set that up. I had to do the transportation and the food and hire the chefs, the the, the ladies that took care of the football team. I had to line the fields. We practiced out in, in Timbuktu. We had <laughs> we had to literally walk about a maybe a quarter of a mile uh-huh. through the woods to get to the practice site. Yeah. Did you let them walk? Of course, they ran. They, <laughs> they got there on time. But but it's amazing how that experience, that experience, I recall. I recalled all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's a much different scale. And so, but I mean, the the process by which you hired, when you hired, you know, I brought five coaches with me. There were things I needed, but there were things I didn't need. We built the the. The personnel organization right away because that's what we needed. Mm-hmm. We had time to hire the trainers and so on, and the video and all all, all of the things that touch players because I hired everybody that touched football, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, it was uh, it was a unique but exciting and and a and a fun kind of a fun filled experience. You was know? there it, at it really least
0: was. collaboration between you guys and Carolina on okay well, how do we do this or no, was it just completely no, figure no,
2: because they had. Bill Polian, and 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 Jacksonville had me. Remember, Dom didn't get hired. Right, yeah. Dom coached that year of right. ninety four. You had a year. I was here. Yeah, you know, I right. was here, uh, and I'm glad I was here because at that point in time, if if there wasn't somebody doing the organizational part, it would have been total chaos.
1: You took advantage. One of the things that you did during that year, when you were when we could try to track him down, is he went to a bunch of different NFL camps. In hindsight, that was a great move. Sure, I mean that allowed you to see guys up close and personal. So while you might be chatting with a coach, you're also, as a football coach, your mind is you're watching these guys and taking mental notes. I, I suspect. was observing yeah, yeah, I know the you they were. way they practiced? You, yeah. Was that a ruse? Did you have that in the plan? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty smart move there.
2: Well, that was how you know that was how Brunell. I'm watching Brunel. now. You know you're going to have an expansion line. Okay, you mm-hmm. know you're going to have an expansion right. line guy's got to be able to move or he's going to get killed. Right. I'm watching this kid practice. Runs around, he throws the ball pretty good. He's all over the place, got a great attitude, big smile on his face. And then when I, but you know about the mistake I made, I left all the tape out on the table. Peter <laughs> King saw it. Peter King saw the tape on the table that I was, where I was studying Brunel and uh, wrote, wrote, wrote an article for Sports Illustrated about... Jaguars, Coughlin's watching. You know. <laughs> wow! But that—that's a great story in itself. Yeah. Night before the first draft, Ron Wolf. I pick up the phone. I, I knew that he, they were supposed to make this deal with Philly. Right. So I'm watching this, and I'm thinking this thing hasn't. The trigger hasn't been pulled on this. So I call Ron, Wolf, and there was some word about the agents, and there was problems. I got on the phone with Ron. I said, Ron, I just want you to know, you know, if this thing doesn't work, or you smell something you don't like with this this Philly deal. I'm here, and I'm interested, and I will give you the third and the fifth or whatever mm. it is for Mark Brunel. I mean, it took about an hour and a half. It was done. So the night before the draft, hmm. I had Steve Berline, and I had Mark Brunel, and I took Rob Johnson in the fourth, and who's Rob Johnson? Fred Taylor. Rob wow. Johnson is 10,000-plus <laughs> yards.
0: Wow. wow. Like I can remember going to those first preseason games, sold yeah. out, right. hot, Right, like, yeah. and but it was so much excitement. Yeah, and I remember watching. You know, nobody knew who Mark Burnell was, and everybody assumed Steve Berlin's going to be the guy. But instantly, you saw. Well, I don't. I don't know how long Steve Berlin's going to hold this young guy off. Was that kind of the same feeling through training camp and?
2: Well, and into we, the season you know, we lost the opener out here, mm-hmm. and we we missed a shot in the corner of the end zone. Still mad we about won, it. Won the game. You know, we you still we see that clear as day, win, don't you? <laughs> we would have had a chance to win the first game. But, uh, and it was Houston, you know, Mm -hmm. became Tennessee and that whole bit. But, uh, you know, it it was, uh, it wasn't long, you know, and and Steve went on to make a Pro Bowl. Right. Uh, Steve went, you know, guess where Steve went? He went back to Carolina because he was, it was an option kind of deal. And, uh, and, and went back there and played very well. And, uh, but Mark was, Mark was obviously our guy and, I mean, right away you see the athleticism. He was of, a rock
0: star here, man. Uh, yeah. All you got to
2: do is remember Denver.
0: Yeah. I mean, yes. holy yeah.
2: smokes, he and he and Jimmy and the time he lit, he literally leaped over the defender. Yeah. Running down the sideline.
0: Yeah. That's that I'm not sure there's been another player since Mark Burnell who had that level of like rock star in this area. Because because yeah. because but everybody was there. so
2: into, but you didn't get there. You know, yeah. Mark got there. Yeah, at least we played right. in two championships. Right, games. right. Yeah, you know, arguably we we should have been in one of the two Super Bowls. I mean, we're leading at halftime at home. You talk about a crowd. Yep. that's the greatest electricity I've ever felt in my life. Was that stadium that day against Tennessee at home?
1: I think it was actually both games too, because uh, yeah. the Dolphin game was the same way. Of course, yeah. you poured it on. Yeah. I mean, that was over at the half, but and. He's still he'll, he'll start reciting oh, things I, from '99. Listen, I know. I've got chills right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm thinking know. about those two games. I'm yeah. just
2: telling you that that, and I knew you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson had Miami had had a tough ball game in Seattle, Seattle really right. tough tough win for them. Fly all the way back across country. We're mm-hmm. we're rested. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not flying anywhere. And then they had to get ready again this week for for our team. And when they did, uh, and they came in, you know, we when Fred broke the. He he tells me ninety was eighty nine or ninety. I thought mm-hmm. I tell him eighty. Sexton
1: gave him credit for ninety, so we've always remembered just ninety. It. We'll he 90.
2: gives me ninety. You know, he says, "Coach, it was 90. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, yeah, th- that was th- those were fun. I mean, oh man, he takes the first draw, that draw against Tampa and goes seventy. You know? oh. I mean, stuff like that was just. I mean, you imagine in those years, those lean years, mm-hmm. uh, if he would have been, been able to stay healthy.
1: Clear this up. We tell this story all the time about. You going to his pro day, Fred's pro day, and so you know Fred was good at Florida, but Spurrier really didn't give him the ball to like his last four or five games. You studied it all, the whole deal. But at the pro day, Denny, he takes the shirts off, Mm -hmm. and there's like a six. You know, whatever yeah. foot six one, two hundred and thirty pound chiseled mm-hmm. young man who just
2: whoosh, but they in the forty. It. Remember how they used to? They always they always ran the forties on the stadium. Yeah, that stadium is the fastest field <laughs> I've ever been around. I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's a fast field. Yeah. Not this day. We're on the practice field. Okay. He's going to run. They're going to run the forties on the practice field uh-huh. on the pro day. He tells I tell Fred you got you were four four on my clock, yeah he goes, no, nah, I was four three something, yeah, and he probably was yeah, you know he probably was on a bunch of clocks four three, but that big that fast that yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that's so interesting because as I've gotten more involved with the pro game through quarterback training, this
1: one thing I've learned Dan mm-hmm. is these coaches trust one clock his own your own that's it. Well, he's he, he had the same seat at the combine every year, right? Oh yeah. and so you wouldn't pay attention to what anybody else had. It was
2: yours. Well, I got the forties from somebody, but I got I'm looking at the tens. Okay. At the splits. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the the player as he lines up. You know, what, how is he? You know, is he handling this? Is he? You know, what's what's he look like? What kind of legs does he have? You know, boom, and I get the ten, and then I get all the forties, and you know.
1: Well, that concludes part one of our interview with Coach Coughlin. Stay tuned. We'll have part two next Thursday of the Hometown Heroes podcast presented by Lockett Law, knowbeforeyoublow.com.